It is Retronauts Pocket. Once again, hi, everybody. How are you? I'm Ray Barnholtz. Today, I have with me Bob Mackey. Hey, everybody. And Jeremy Parrish. <laughs> wow. He's changed since we last yeah. talked. <laughs> There's some Joker gas on the loose in Raleigh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, if your windows are down, yeah, do, do something more. with them. Uh, anyway... Today, no special pretense, no special sorts of uh, backer-requested things, although, of course, we do love that. Uh, today, we're just going to talk about a good game that I wanted to talk about, one of the great unsung Super NES action games from 1994, Skyblazer, mm-hmm. published by Sony ImageSoft. Now, this is basically an action platformer. Uh, not too special on the surface of it, but uh, it is a cool game that did dip way under the radar and that's kind of a shame, I think. Um, however, uh, before we start talking about the actual game, I'd like to talk a bit about uh, its its origins, essentially. Uh, the developer was a company called Ukiyote uh, in Japan, obviously, if that doesn't uh, give it away. Does that, does that mean anything? Uh, I Not offhand. Okay, I don't sorry. Know. I didn't look it up or anything. Ukiyo <laughs> is, a kind of, uh, is a kind of art, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. I'm at a loss. Anyway, uh, they also made the uh, Hook game for Sony, ImageSoft, uh, based on the movie Hook. Uh, this was the Super NES version. There was like uh, 8-bit versions made by Ocean, and that was a pretty terrible game. But uh, the one made by Ukiyote was a bit more competent. Um, not that bad. Uh, it was also on uh, the Genesis and Sega CD. I don't think they directly ported it, but uh, nonetheless. I uh, just played Hook this morning yeah. based on uh, the fact that they – Skyblaze people made it and I was impressed by how – the quality of it. Mm-hmm. I was also tickled by the fact that you turn into fat Robin Williams when you die, <laughs> which is worse than death. <laughs> yes, I know, right? <laughs> Where did all this body hair come from? <laughs> <laughs> and then that leads to the Mrs. Doubtfire game. Also made by oh, computer. man. No, I'm kidding. Ocean should have made that. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's not too late. There's a sequel to the to the movie coming, so we could still get oh, a tie-in yeah. video game. Uh, thanks for reminding. Doubtfire two, Doubtfire Rising, please. Oh, God. <laughs> Out harder. <laughs> anyway, Ukiyote also did a lot of stuff for SNK. They ported uh, some of their stuff to like PlayStation, and um, they made some uh, Neo Geo Pocket games. I believe they made the Metal Slug uh, Neo Geo Pocket games, which are uh, well regarded. Yeah, I didn't uh, realize that until I was prepping for this episode. I love those games. Yeah. The Metal Slug first and second mission are amazing. I love them. Yeah. So yes, these indeed. these people now have a place in my heart. I didn't even know about yeah. them before. I believe the founder of the company uh, was a guy from Capcom, so that maybe that ties into their SNK sort of partnership as well, because you know a lot of my like-minded people there. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the the art aesthetic, there's definitely like you can see that that sort of visual style of those mid '80s Capcom arcade games. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think I think um, I kind of associate those with uh, Fujiwara games like um, Ghost and Goblins and Bionic Commando. Oh, yeah. But like you get that Black kind of Tiger. feel with these two, Black Tiger to a lesser degree. But there was ca- kind of that cartoony look that uh, you know Tomba carried it across. But there's 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 a little of that in these games too. Ukiyote also made the Spawn Super NES game. Uh, oh, probably weird. one of the better Spawn games because they released only a few and most of them were not that great. Uh, this is basically just a, a pretty straight up uh, beat em up for Super NES released by Acclaim. And uh, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good. Um, probably, again, one of, one of the lesser of the Spawn game evils, I suppose. Uh, and they also developed Punky Skunk for PlayStation, 
one of uh, a Jolico release, but apparently this was also going to be on Super NES. It looks like it. I, I read somewhere it got canceled like two or three times before it even reached PlayStation. So. Someone believed in yeah. Punky Skunk. And I, I was watching videos of it and it seemed just as quality as their other games, but maybe I'm being misled. Yes, At well, least in terms of uh, graphics and music, it's I very mean, lush. I don't know. Like Punky Skunk to me has always been kind of this weird oddity in the PlayStation library. Like yeah. it just feels like a game out of time maybe like five years before Mm -hmm. it came out it would have been kind of you know like an arrow the acrobat or zero the kamikaze squirrel but but by the time it came out like that that whole little subsection that slice of video gaming was just dead and buried and what do you know it was in fact from five years prior basically um and 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 in punky skunk's defense i will say that the game itself is okay but the marketing for the u.s was just so misguided they try to position as like i think the back of the box actually said he's a gen x animal with attitude or something like that (laughs) and that's not the game at all he's just Ah, like this no He's this little happy skunk who's walking around picking up candy and stuff. Like, there's no, there's no Gen X to it. There's no attitude. He's just, he's cute. It's like, it's like, it's like a reverse conquer kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is a very cuddly game. Uh, pretty much geared towards kids in that way. I think it's, it's kind of slow. It's kind of easy. Not so much with the, not really the case with Skyblazer here. But, uh, yeah, they also did that. And that, of course, was the late Jolico release over here. So I guess they had no 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 option but to say, hey, it's a cool uh, attitude-filled uh, ma- animal mascot. Let's go for it. Oh, and, hey, uh, here's the uh, Wikipedia entry that quotes me from EGM. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's, that's your legacy, Jeremy. That's my it's legacy. Memory lane. I matter now. <laughs> So that's the overview of the developer of Skyblazer. And, uh, of course, Skyblazer came out a couple of years after Hook. And, uh, I mean, I kind of put it as a spiritual sequel. I mean, not, it's not very direct or anything. It does kind of have the same kind of gameplay. It's a side-scrolling action platformer. Yes, of course. Uh, the art and the detail of it is kind of uh, similar. It has, like, the same identical setup of cutscenes. Mm. Just like the way the cutscenes look. It's like the two characters standing next to each other and then, uh, you know, letterbox <laughs> dialogue and stuff. So, I mean, it seemed to be based on the same, you know, quote-unquote engine, pretty much. And um, and even the, the hero of the game, Sky, haha, uh, he kind of looks like Peter Pan. I mean, he doesn't exactly fly in every stage or anything, but he is kind of lithe and jumps around, much like the, the Peter Pan character does in the Hook game. And so, you know, that just made me think, you know, maybe maybe it did start as Hook 2 or something. Maybe they wrote it down on a design doc. It's like, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do that. They're not going to make a second one, that's for sure. So yeah, Hoffman you know, wanted too much money. Yeah, right. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just, just retool the whole thing. Um, but it is, in fact, um, faster paced than uh, Hook was for sure because, you know, if you do play Hook on Super NES, I mean, Peter Pan does kind of move a bit slowly. He jumps more. like Mega Man underwater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so it is a faster game in that sense. So the story of Skyblazer, in brief, basically you have uh, Ashura, who is like this evil henchman to the b- bigger evil or demon Raglan. Uh, he kid, uh, Ashura kidnaps a sorceress uh, to aid in, you know, uh, Raglan's uh, pursuits to take over the world. We've all heard this before, of course. Mm-hmm. And so the son of the Sky Lord, Sky, is summoned to defeat Ashura and Raglan and, you know, all of their big uh, henchmen and monsters and grunts and everybody else through a variety of different stages. Uh, platforming ensues. 
In Japanese, it's, it's very much more tied into the Hindu religion, right? Like liberally, everything is st- stolen or borrowed and the names are quite a bit. that much yes. more. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, even if you look at this game for a little bit, you'll see that great big South Asian influence. You know, mm-hmm. you basically have like even like renditions of elephant gods on, on, on backgrounds and things. So it is definitely out there quite a bit. I, um, whereas whereas I, in English, the, the main villain is a T-shirt, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So no Christian references, but go ahead and slander whatever other religion you want to because it's totally cool. Yeah, they did not really play that up too much in the English version. Uh, I don't know if it was like too more – I don't know how much more direct it was in like the Japanese dialogue or anything. Yeah. uh, I mean it is kind of a, a hodgepodge in that way. I wouldn't call it necessarily offensive. It's just kind of like oh no no misguided. Yeah, I mean I'm not Hindu. I'm sure there are Hindu people that could be offended by it, but it's just like the Japanese tradition of borrowing things from every religion for video games. Yeah, it's not theirs exclusively. We have no stake in this more than the Japanese do. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I I think it's kind of interesting in that way because you don't really see that too much. Um, But even like another great Japanese game, Monster World Four, that had sort of a influence, Arabian influence to it, it, much more cartoony. You know, not quite as uh, borderline, I guess. Um, but yeah, you do see a lot in this game. And so you play as Sky and you run and jump through these uh, different stages. You have a world map and you, you know, go through all these different elemental based stages. It is, again, very, very, very common for sorts of 16 bit platformers, but it is a solid game, I think. However, uh, somewhat uncommon for those type of games is that Sky, he fights barehanded. I mean, he mostly fights with a sh- short range punch uh, you do get uh, some special long range attacks you can get like this blade weapon that you can fire enemies you can use like this super dash to go across the stream- st- screen and um, you know but those things all have f- finite use uh, because you have like this sp- uh, special move meter along with your health meter and that can get uh, drained pretty quickly until you get the uh, magic spell power ups and so it's kind of interesting that, you know, you, you do fight in a melee style most of the time. You don't have a gun, you don't have a sword, or any any sorts of thing like that. And so for a game in 1994, it seems kind of odd, you know, kind of neat, neat for them to go to go that way, as opposed to, you know, just making it like Mega Man or whatnot. Isn't isn't this around the time that Osmond came out? Uh, probably. I thought that was like 96 or Which something. also kind of had a Capcom sort of history behind it. And actually, the actually the visual style in Skyblazer reminds me a lot of Strider, which of course was kind of the, well, was absolutely the direct antecedent to Osman. Let me look up Osman though. Keep talking. That's sorry. Okay. I mean, actually, uh, I I didn't mean to bring that up. Actually, I didn't put it in my notes. But yeah, you're right. I, it did actually remind me of Osman as well, uh, aka Cannon Dancer, of course. Oh right. Okay. Um, Thanks for yeah. that. Oh right. Sorry. Yeah. That, like Osman. Yeah, uh, it was released in '96, so a couple years later. Um, oh, but yeah, you're right. That's also okay. a pretty cool game with the. So little, it's a big, yeah. it's a big Skyblazer ripoff. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Those bastards. Yes, uh, that. But that is also a cool game with some great art to it. Um, but yeah, the the melee sort of style was interesting to me. And um, another thing is that the stages are pretty smartly designed. I mean, like, I hadn't played all the way through Hook. But uh, you know, I played a bit of Skyblazer and I watched you know videos of it and stuff. And the the stages do get uh, pretty pretty fun, pretty elaborate. Uh, they, a lot of them are pretty hard though, because early on you go to this uh, this tower and you have to jump on all these platforms on yeah. the side of the tower. And some of them are moving, and some of them uh, disappear and reappear, like uh, the disappearing blocks in Mega Man, but even faster. So you have to be extra fast. And uh, 
But other than that, uh, there's also a stage where you know you navigate like a series of thermals, and you're bounding around basically with no platforms for a few few more screens, and you're just kind of like trying to float around and not not run into anything or fall basically. Um, yeah, I was I was really surprised watching the videos of this. Um, I've never played it myself. I've I've always kind of meant to because I've heard it's sort of an under underappreciated yeah. classic. But you know, watching the videos, I was really impressed by how technical and advanced the platforming yeah. is. It's it seems much more sophisticated and much more solid than your typical sort of anonymous B tier sixteen <laughs> bit platformer. Like it is not a Bubsy the Bobcat. It is much more in line with kind of you know like like a Capcom style game. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it is a demanding game in that sense. I mean, it is a lot more technical than you would think. I mean. I linked you guys to a long play, and you can look at that as well. I'll probably link it on the blog. But, you know, long plays can be deceiving because they are played by people who know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And so the game will look kind of easy, but uh, in, it, when you actually play it, it's, it's, it is quite demanding, and you will. It really foreshadowed, foreshadowed the need for save states a few years before oh, yeah. they came into you know, common usage. One thing uh, I noticed is the game would use your abilities against you, like uh, your hero can cling to walls, but sometimes yeah. you'll need to be crouching or, like, you need to get off of the wall in order to yeah. avoid something and you have to think ahead because it's not instant you know you have to let go yeah. and and you fall pretty slow so yeah again in that tower stage i was mentioning you go into different doors and different sections of it and so there are lots of moving walls and things that can really squash you and yeah <laughs> you really need to be like thinking ahead or at least start to memorize the how the stage is laid out uh more than most things of that year i would say but uh, yeah yeah, not to keep harping on the Capcom thing too much, but I was just playing Mega Man X yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the mechanics of this game are really reminiscent of, of Mega Man X, but much more, like, the wall jumping is much more sophisticated oh, and yeah. involving. Like, um, there, there's kind of an almost a, 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 a touch of Ninja Gaiden to it. Yeah. In a sense. Like, it's, it's a lot less forgiving than Mega Man X. And Mega Man X is not a cakewalk, but it does be, tend to be a little more forgiving than this one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I was definitely, I was kind of actually kind of hesitating to compare it to Mega Man X because, like, if you do play it, it will seem a bit similar with a lot of the the wall clinging and things like that. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, we are right. It, it is very evocative of Mega Man X, and uh, yeah, I think if you like that sort of thing, you should definitely check it out. Uh, some of the finer differences of that is that you know, in this game, Sky moves a little bit slippery. I mean, he feels a little bit looser than Mega Man X would, for example. But uh, like I said, he can grab onto any wall basically immediately and he can pretty much stay there and you can climb it any way you want and then he just hops right over the edge and you're good to go. But, I mean, you do also have to keep track of uh, how you're hitting things because you only have a melee attack basically and uh, you know it's not like a far reaching hitbox or anything you do have to be close to enemies to actually yeah, hit them really properly close. and then they can also you know pretty much touch you you know when they bounce back basically I mean there's some bosses where like you can get right up close to them and start punching them but then like a second after you're hit just because that was their next frame of animation because they're too quick for you or something so I mean <laughs> basically yeah this game can get uh, pretty difficult and um in that sense, I mean, you know, if you're looking for a good challenge in 16-bit platformers, this is definitely one of them. Um, you know, the the wall climbing and especially the um, the way he sort of vaults and mounts walls really quickly, that's something you really didn't see in 16-bit right. games. That's something I really personally, I don't, I don't remember seeing until Tomb Raider where you mm -hmm. kind of, you know, were pulling yourself up. I guess Prince of Persia to a yeah. lesser degree, but that was much more, that was less about, you know, instinct and reaction and more about memorization. Whereas this is more, you know, kind of bringing it into that action milieu. Yeah. 
And um, really, 2D platformers haven't done that a lot. That's become kind of a standard in uh, in the Metroid games since Fusion, but you know, yeah. there's only been two of those. So it's a it's a pretty atypical, uncommon um, action game. Just you know, based on some of the the particulars of the control scheme. Yeah, for sure. And just you know, just another reason to check this out. I think. Um, there's also like mode seven bonus stages in between mm. uh, sorts of areas that you go to. Like after you beat a boss, you basically uh, you're tasked with flying around, flying across the world to the next area, and so you get to like these uh, third person flying stages. They kind of remind me of like flying around on Flammy and Secret yeah, Mana. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like that. That's what uh, I was thinking. But it's basically just you know you just have to uh, fly through basically an obstacle course. You collect these jewels that function as coins. You know, get a hundred of them, get an extra life, and then it's basically an obstacle course. You have to uh, avoid spike circles and things. You're not really penalized if you die immediately. In anyway, you just fall back to the next world and you're good to go. But I mean, it's just another way to get extra lives. And that actually is another point because you know this is a difficult game, but you know you can kind of get collect one-ups uh, pretty easily, I would yeah, say. Yeah, they also throw a lot of health and magic power-ups at yeah, you yeah. constantly, and the, and the checkpoints are pretty fair. At yeah, least when yeah. you die to a boss, you start over at the very beginning of that boss fight. There's no halfway that, yes, through the stage exactly. or whatever. Yeah, so it, it does have a good trade-off in that sense. And uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can hit a group of enemies with like that big blade shot that you can do and then just <laughs> reap the rewards. Oh, yeah. You just like, get a pile of magic and health upgrades. And so, yeah, it's a lot <laughs> lot more uh, bountiful than a Mega Man game, mm-hmm. I would say. But let's face it, the whole rundown of the stages, I think, uh, you know, again, the bosses, some of them have easy, easily uh, notable patterns. I think one of, the, one, of the, one of the early ones, I think, of the boss of that tower, just like this sort of giant sort of... <laughs> I don't know, pill bug looking yeah. demon thing that rolls around the arena. It's like a mollusk. Yeah, and then when you hit him, he starts to grow a bit, and then as you continue to hit him, he grows and grows until he's finally like touching the corners of the whole room. Um, and so you basically have to like get close enough to hit him in the eye. But again, as I said, you can you can have to you immediately have to like go in the other direction before you get hit by his next frame animation. Yeah, it's it's, it's it, tricky. Yeah, it gets really annoying. Um, but if you watch like the long play, you can see like it's pretty easy. Some of them you can just spam, you know, your special spells if you know what you're doing. Of course, yeah. I went to the, uh, I got stuck at the underwater boss, and then I watched the long play, and I, and I realized like he went to another area first to get a different kind of spell, yeah. which seemed designed entirely just to fight that boss. Yeah, sure. But the game does do a good job of like encouraging you to use your magic because um, it's not just like this extra special powerful move. In many cases, it's essential. Like I have to clear this area of enemies in one hit. Before I jump yeah. there, so I have to use my blade attack or whatever. So, yeah, um, yeah I like how they, they make it so you can use those and, you know, easily recoup whatever magic you spend. Right. And, you know, you do have – I mean, <laughs> for one thing, the spells do cost a lot of the magic in the meter. Yeah. And on top of that, like, enemies can hit you for quite a few points of health. So, I mean, even though you have what looks like a long life meter, like, you might only be able to survive, like, one or two hits yeah. <laughs> before you die. So <laughs> the game gets pretty crazy that way. Um, but again, you do have some support with extra spells as you gain as you move to extra areas. And uh, I think like the second spell you get is a heal spell. So that's something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it helps out. Uh, well, I mean, I say second, but you can sort of freely go around the world that you're in. I mean, it's not like total sequence break, but you do have a selection of different places you can go. Much like in Super Mario World, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, as we were talking about these bosses, I was also reminded of like Actraiser. And or Actraiser 2 where you can just sort of like spam spells <laughs> and sort of beat them fairly handily. 
But uh, again, you kind of have to learn as you go and make sure you know what you're doing. So again, this is Pocket. I just wanted the basic overview of Skyblazer, and uh, I think it's a really good game to get. Um, you know, there is there has been a sort of a recent run on Super NES games. You know, people mm. are collecting it, being more aware of what's going on. The nostalgia factor is growing, and so I'm not exactly sure <laughs> if you can get Skyblazer for cheap, especially when it, when, it, when it was a slightly obscure game. But um, it is very cool. It, I mean, you go from a company that was basically, basically making a movie licensed game. Maybe some people were treating it a bit uh, unfairly, but then they make a great game, a great original game. And uh, really, pr- really proved their their prowess, I think. And after you know all that uh, Neo Geo Pocket stuff that Ukiyote did, and th- I mean that was pretty much it for them. Nothing really notable beyond that. You can find a, a list of games that they developed, but uh, you know, not a whole lot of uh, memorable stuff other than these. I would hmm. say. Um, yeah, I'm, I've, I've been kind of poking around in the background to to look at the credits of this game, and the more I look, the more this really does seem like. Skyblazer is the Capcom action classic that no one ever played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the the uh, the programmer Tadakatsu Makiuchi, uh, program Strider, and uh, uh-huh. the composer Harumi Fujita uh, composed for Strider, Willow, ha- uh, Higemaru Makaijima, Tiger Road, Ghost and Goblins, Bionic Commando, and the Arcade. So um, yeah, it's like all all the games you love. Uh, kind of secretly came to life in Skyblazer, and no one really seems to know about this. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a that's interesting. It's kind of a little gem. Good, good, good call, Ray. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, but you know that also calls out the fact that you know there was that sort of uh, miniature exodus from Capcom hmm. after the '80s or in the early '90s, where you know you had a lot of people responsible. They removed. They moved SNK. They made, probably made their own companies like U- Ukiote. And so, yeah, you did have like, Whoopi Camp. All those ideas, yeah, for sure. And you had all these ideas and influences sort of spread out to the the four winds like this, and they ended up in places like uh, Skyblazer. So, yeah, um, once again, definitely worth checking out. And, you know, I would also say, like, you know, it was safe to say that 1994 was kind of like a peak year for the Super NES. You had all these great games coming from developers that had, you know, demonstrated basically like a near mastery of the system and a lot of, like, game design skills that were honed since the 80s, like basically what we just said. Um and so, like, the consequence is that, again, Skyblazer kind of fell through the cracks because, you know, it was from Sony ImageSoft and, you know, this was Sony before all that PlayStation jazz and they were kind of a, a bit player at the time. So, you know, other than Hook and some other licensed stuff, they didn't really have a great grasp on, you know, on, on quality necessarily. So they couldn't really market Skyblazer quite as heavily as, say, Donkey Kong Country or Mortal Kombat 2 or whatever else was notable in that uh, year for that platform or even you know, also the Genesis because yeah, that was also geez. a good year for Genesis. It must have been hard to market your platformer the same year as Donkey Kong Country. Right. The same Christmas. And, of course, you know, <laughs> that's, that problem's just magnified these days as well because, you know, you have all this AAA stuff that everybody talks about at E3, which was just a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't call Skyblazer indie necessarily, but it is something that you know should have probably got more attention than it did. Yeah, you know the funny thing is looking at um looking at the pedigree of this game and having watched it in action from start to finish, I feel like I really misjudged this game. I was always kind of a little bit bitter about it because it's this um this sort of god themed platformer in the sky, <laughs> and it's called Skyblazer, and so to me it seemed like it was trying to rip off the quintet. Uh, 
the nice. quintet oh. thing. Like it plays like Act Razor and it sounds yeah. like Soul Blazer. So what's going <laughs> on here? Um, and, and actually even, even the ending credits use the same weird typeface that, uh, that Quintet's Super NES games did. Oh, but yeah. But in yeah. terms of, in terms of action, it's so much smoother and faster and more stylish than, than Act Razor because let's, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> Quintet made some really good RPGs, but they were kind of balls at making, uh, platformers. Yeah. Act Razor 2, uh, yuck. <laughs> oh, I, oh, okay. Designed to You want to go there? Fine. I will. <laughs> I watched the speedrunner of that game have problems with it. I think that says a lot. Well, I'm I appreciate not it's uh it's uh I don't know. I can appreciate it from a distance but not when I'm touching <laughs> oh, it. Act Razor is amazing, but oh, as a part platformer, two. it kind of it, well, okay, tar- part 2 is yeah, it kind of took out all the the fun unique stuff. It's not bad, but it just like it doesn't have that well, we talked about it whatever. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it's cruel. <laughs> Fine. I don't get to do another 25 minutes on Actors or 2, fine. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, you should stream it. Yeah, I probably should. I want to see that. I, fine, I'll be on stage one for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like it, but I also completely get why everybody does not. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm glad I could turn you guys on to Skyblazer. I hope you, too, have been turned on to a listener, and uh, you should definitely check it out. And um, But not yeah. via virtual console. No. Or any other legal means. It does means. not exist there. It yeah. also looks like this was one of David Jaffe's first credits. He was a oh. playtester. Oh, okay. How was about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, some of the, like I said, Sony before the PlayStation. Hmm. Actually, just before the PlayStation, because this came out in 94, and then they sort of, yeah. you know, they sunsetted Sony ImageSoft to give way to Sony Computer Entertainment. They must so. have ignored his notes about more evil clowns, please. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of crazy to see all these Sony names attached to a uh, a Super NES game. Like the Sony ImageSoft director is Kazunori Yamauchi, uh, who you know is the the yeah. Gran Turismo guy. It's a it's a really interesting little chunk of Sony history right here that kind of gets overlooked because, admittedly, most of the games they published back then were kind of crap. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to do like a prehistory of Sony in games in that way. A lot of talk about Olaf Olafsson. Yeah, the I remember coolest him. name guy ever. Yes. <laughs> He's on. He's on here as well. Oh yes. Oh cool. He he should be. Yep. I think he run that place for a while and then was moved on to SEA. So yeah, Skyblazer, please play it. Check it out. It's worth it. It's one of the highlights of 16-bit, I would say. And yeah, I think that about does it for this episode of Retronauts Pocket. Again, nice one. No pretense. No nothing like that. I just want everybody to check it out. So thanks you guys for joining me. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you can check it out. Check us out at retronauts.com and on Twitter on Retronauts and on Facebook on Retronauts and maybe even on Twitch as Retronauts. Uh, maybe I'll stream Skyblazer. It's not in my plans right now. I, as we record this, I'm worrying about the too many games panel. We'll see about that. When I'm done freaking out about everything else to do with Retronauts, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, fit in some time for it sooner or later. And uh, of course, I'm on Twitter uh, as well. Personally, I'm RDBAAA. Uh, and I uh, still am doing my retro game magazine, history magazine called Scroll, scroll.vg, and another goofy podcast called No More Whoppers. Nothing much to do with video games necessarily, but it's fun. Uh, Bob, you're on Twitter. I am. I'm Bob Servo on Twitter, B-O-B-S-C-R-V-O, and I also write for US Gamer and Something Awful, so check those out. Jeremy's on Twitter, isn't he? <laughs> I am. I'm I'm on yeah. Twitter as GameSpite, and I am the EIC of US Gamer, and also have little side projects like GameBoyWorld.com and what else do I do? Oh, AnatomyofGames.com. 
and sometimes I sleep. Okay, great. And of course, we're on iTunes. Please, uh, if you're on there as well, you find our listing and give us a good review. It helps in our popularity, believe it or not. Anyway, we'll see you next week again on Retronauts. Thanks again. Bye-bye. <laughs>